Hi there, thanks for joining us for segment 6.5 of Armchair Analysis. Let's jump right in, shall we? I do have some armchair analysis questions for y'all. <laughs> signet! Oh, wait. Are we talking in those voices now? <laughs> it's, it's the we Signet. She's returned. Those voices. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> She's returned for the oh. armchair analysis segment. Hey, Hi. I'm a fearful Unless vampire. Unless everybody welcome, our favorite vampire. <laughs> yes, it's me, hey vampire. Please fear it's me. It's me, Signet. Welcome to my YouTube channel. Oh, I hate we'll oh, no. <laughs> ASMR tingles today. Can you imagine? Please like and don't forget oh, to like God. and subscribe. Oh, no. Oh, no. Bloodsucking <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> Uh, Today we're going to be watching yeah. mushrooms just like, grow. Just like, oh god! Just like one of those mukbang <laughs> videos of just like chugging elixir, the, chugging the purity nectar. So. It's some delicious, some delicious I'm, blood. Here. I'm going to make an acolyte and a new vampire, and then after that, I'm going to brush your hair a little bit and maybe cut some things. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> All right, friends. So, <laughs> not, no. armchair what do we analysis. have this time? Armchair analysis. What do we have this time? Any, any initial comments, character-wise, world-wise, or otherwise, you'd all like to get into? I love how we just automatically decided that. Oh God, what's the witch's name? Uh, Pelia. I love how we just decided that Pelia was innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay, woman running away from a shit ton of soldiers. We're fighting. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> girls rock, military is bad. What else do you need? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I third was... point, guitar solo. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, point, I was wondering, like, what woogity, was woogity, woogity. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I also thought it was interesting the turn this combat encounter took as opposed to the large mushroom-like encounter of uh, a few sessions ago where that one was like, we had a moment to be like, oh, maybe we had an uh, are we the baddies moment, but <laughs> we just kept, <laughs> we were like, I guess... Right. We're too deep in the paint now. Let's just keep going, I guess. But Sunk whereas, cost. yeah. Whereas now we're just we were just kind of like, oh, well, may let's hang on, let's let's take it back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that was yeah. an interesting turn. Yeah, growth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Um, so I'm I'm thinking uh, we haven't gone through uh, character analysis in a while, and we just had a look into your dreams. Mm. So this might be a cool time to revisit that. Um, and I was thinking, Ollie, we could start with you. I wanted to maybe go in order of the dreams that that you guys had. Um, dream sequences. Dream sequences. Yeah. Um, go in sequence of dream sequence. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, and I, I wanted to get deeper into Elion's character, and I figured that one pretty clear avenue is through his relationship with Hot and her divinity and through Elion's responsibility to others through her. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, what did you think of this dream of yours? What what, what 
thoughts? I think I'm okay. Uh, sun related things aside, mm -hmm. I think that, well, I, I wrote the dream down and I think it's kind of a possible testament to like, oh, uh, there are going to be things that are going to try and stop you from uh, finding the truth. Mm -hmm. And it it's going to be like, like your quest to find the truth is going to involve like being disconnected from your religion and it's going to involve meeting adversary, meeting uh, like having to deal with other possible mental stuff like i was thinking of this idea of like feeling really small or like mm. forgetting things i think something might uh kind of dampen his spirit a little bit mm. in an attempt for in an attempt to uh conceal the truth somehow okay yeah that's that's an interesting take on that yeah um I was going. It's kind of cynical, but hey. <laughs> no, I I like that. I, I like that a lot because I was going for like a pretty literary, uh, like, uh, inspired like thing um, from from this. Like, I, I've been thinking a lot about ants, and that's part partially what uh, mm -hmm. what inspired the um, the uh, the magic item um, that uh -huh. that we gave uh, Irsu. Um. And just other hive animals, uh, hive insects, um, how they don't really have a concept of aloneness. Um, I read the short story by Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, we named the ant Ursula. Uh, ah! Uh, yeah. yeah. I just now um, got that. <laughs> yeah. This uh, short story by Ursula K. Le Guin about how, like, um, uh, it's called uh, The Author of the Acacia Seeds and Other Extracts from the Journal of the Association of Therolinguistics. And um, it's about this world in which like human scientists know how to translate texts written by animals. And the first little story within this short story is a manuscript written by an ant who went crazy and tried to be alone from other ants. And how would an ant describe the concept of being alone? Like how, how could an ant who has only ever been with ant like mm. in a hive for mm. the queen how could an ant do that how could an ant even communicate that properly hmm. so um i i i was drawing on that for a lot of the dreams uh, and for the magic item but i i like your uh interpretation also of like kind of a psycho uh, like a like a psychological dive into elion's like maybe future or maybe present of like Maybe Elyon feels purposeless or small. Um, yeah, because he's like, at this point, I don't think, I mean, he's, I haven't really delved into like what he's doing with the Harpers, even if he's doing anything. I don't quite know because, I mean, I there's not been too much uh, tie to the Harpers in game. Mm -hmm that that I that I know of and it feels like he's doing something like apart from them somehow like he's gone off course somehow but I'm not entirely sure yet because 
I don't know, like, why he was sent to Ram in the first place. Right. I haven't quite figured that out. I don't know if it was, like, the Harpers who wanted him there or if he decided to, like, I don't know, break off and go of his own volition or something. Yeah. Well, if you want if if you want to figure that out on your own, then that's totally fine. But if if you want if you want us to work on that workshop uh, that together, then I'm happy to help with that too. Because like yeah yeah um like I feel like if you wanted to like interface um because I know you had built Elion uh before you knew of this world, and so yeah. we had kind of um retconned Elion to fit um retrofitted Elion to fit the lore of East a little bit. Because mm-hmm. um, in the last campaign I used Elyon with, we did have some connection to the Harpers in game. Right. I think this, I think this was Curse of Strahd. Okay. If I remember right. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did it with uh, Curse of Strahd, and that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So yeah, if if, and I think that there's there's definitely like there's a lot of easy ways to to work in um like. A character motivation for for uh, Elion to be not with the Harpers right now, like mm-hmm. if he's going off on his own thing, like it would explain why he kind of feels purposeless. Yeah, if, yeah, like, exactly. If like he's separated from the crew that gave him purpose for such a long time, like you mm-hmm. know that. Oh, that that hit that hits. <laughs> uh, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Thank you for that. <laughs> I th- I think I'll go with that. I'll think of some reason that Elion left the Harpers. Maybe it's got. I wonder if it's got something to do with Dorian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe. That could that could that could we 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 could uh we could hear a little bit more about Dorian in future episodes. Um definitely. That's yeah. that's definitely something that we yeah. can some more <laughs> some more gay intrigue. <laughs> sure <laughs> for, thing. For Elyon. Um we all we all we all love we're we're all messy we're all messy bitches on this show. So <laughs> we all love gay intrigue. <laughs> That was, that was the original <laughs> subtitle for the <laughs> We're All Messy po- Bitches. <laughs> Polyvox. Polyvox. We're all messy bitches. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the in the sense of like the whole hive thing, if we're thinking when it comes to this dream, if we're considering Elyon the ant, mm-hmm. like possibly like an ant that goes off away from the hive. And figures out a purpose like his. Maybe it's met with adversary because he's going away from hmm. what he was told to do somehow, or how society was like. Oh, you are this. You're supposed to do this. Oh, you're half elf, half human. And in previous uh, analyses, uh, have we talked about like the way in advanced future of this world in recorded analyses uh, we, ha- we have not um but that's Ooh, o- never mind then. that's okay i mean we we can um like that's not gonna like that's not gonna end up in this story um of of okay. any of these campaigns um all right like campaigns are gonna take place before um so in in the world of east uh the the races of the followers are gearing up towards like essentially a racial framework that will um, uh, a racial framework that will allow them to um, gather power under what they consider to be their own like um, kind of racial default mode. I'm putting that in air quotes so that the so that the, uh, <laughs> the audience can see that. Um, 
uh, and that uh, the humans, dwarves, and elves are going to essentially commit a worldwide genocide um, against all other um, fantasy races um, and uh, reconquer the world in essentially the name of the followers um, and uh, spread out and become the new... um, the much the much less magical much less um much less diverse much less um interesting i guess um <laughs> mm-hmm. new population mm-hmm. of this Cause, world cuz if these ideologies are already brewing in the sense of like oh you're you're half human half elf you're supposed to think this way and then elion's going against that right he's going to be met with adversary of some kind because, like, oh, you're supposed to think this. Why aren't you thinking this? This is going to get you hurt, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely... I mean, like, you're hanging out with a Shade and and uh, an Ophan. Mm. Like... The, mm-hmm. And an ant. And an ant now. <laughs> and an ant. Yeah, so, like, you're... And, um, and this is in a region of the world that is mostly controlled by the followers. So, like... This is where like half elves, elves, humans, um, and some dwarves have mostly a foothold in the world, and they're they're going to be looking at you kind of funny for like, um, for essentially like giving so much of your time and resources and energy to a friend group and a chosen family that is not of their conception of what like a race frame of like the followers should look like. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that that is so, very much that it that it that does parallel. Nice. Um, that's that's a cool that's a cool insight. I, I like that. Um, and I think I think it would be cool for Elion to use, like, if if the followers are more of like the the privilege, like the majority, then I think it would be cool for Elion to continue to use his privilege. Uh, in that way to challenge mm. that. I mean, he's going to be met with adversary, but I keep using that word. Uh, he's going <laughs> to be okay. met with resistance, but uh, like if Elion hadn't woken up from the dream, we would we may have seen other things happen. Right. I mean, yeah, he gets his throat slit, yeah. but like, hey, people might be able to heal from that kind of thing. <laughs> we don't know. We we do know this is D and D. It's a wacky world, um, but yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah the the thing the thing with um, the thing with actually I, I had a conversation about uh, this with my professor and and my second reader um, is really into uh, like global black studies um, and they are um, uh, they are non-binary and black and. Um, Uh and so they're going to be really interested in how I, how I deal with, like, how I deal with race in a, um, in a way that, like, how I deal with constructing a fantasy racial framework that is non-Eurocentric, um, because that's something I explicitly made one of my aims in my thesis. Um, Mm -hmm. like, I didn't want to make a Tolkien-ish, like, Tolkien-ish, like, racial framework where, like the dwarves are essentially just like caricatures of Jewish people and mm. the elves are caricatures it's, of, um, of Nordic people. And, uh, is that really what it is? That's kind of, that's kind of 
how it is. I thought goblins were Jews. Yeah, goblins. Jew. Uh, yeah. yeah, goblins. Um, the the orcs were fluidly depicted um, Arabs or um, other people of the middle Middle East or um, interesting. Yeah, it was it was really and by messy. interesting. Like, yeah, I don't mean interesting and ooh, that's interesting. I mean that ah, oh, that's. Interesting. Yeah, it, it was it was really messy, and it's it's a shame because Tolkien himself like considered himself a pretty ardent anti-racist, mm. um, but mm. a lot of it like a lot of his own like um, a lot of his own like preconceived notions about what race is kind of crept into the crept in through the cracks of like his fantasy world building process and ended up becoming kind of amplified through his fans who some of whom were not as anti-racist as him mm. <laughs> yeah. gotcha uh, yeah so like tolkien tolkien like was i mean he fought you know he he was an ardent anti-fascist actually mm. for a lot of his life didn't, um, he, didn't he, he fight in one of the world wars like he fought in world war one yeah Did he? yeah wow um that's a that's some stuff and uh and and then when world war ii was like starting to brew he was like well shit you know like <laughs> i tried to i tried to help prevent this from happening mm. mm-hmm. but you know um you know so like tolkien's an interesting guy he, he was an interesting character but um but unfortunately his contributions to um the fantasy high fantasy genre are incredibly eurocentric um, because mm-hmm. he based so much uh, of his um, world building on European folklore. And um, mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that because if I did, A, that would be not creative. <laughs> and B, mm-hmm. it would be contributing to like the problem with fantasy, which is that it's at this point yeah. pretty racist. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yep. So, um, so I'm, I'm interested in, I'm in, I like, I, uh shaka the uh my second reader um my uh my second reader who's the professor of media studies and global black studies um uh uh is probably going to be very interested in like a a separate section of my thesis that's directed at like how were these races constructed and how do they interact with each other and why is it different from tolkien and how what are the ethics of me doing that as a white person like you know, like, and it's going to be complicated and I, I have to really wrestle with that. So um, it's always helpful mm-hmm. for me to have these conversations with you guys because I'm like, I, half the time I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> half the time is generous. More more than half the time I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, it's, I've been thinking this is kind of unrelated. It just made me think of um, Tolkien and his place with like how his fans have continued that um yeah those caricatures it just briefly reminded me of um dw griffith i don't know if you know that uh, guy that reminds me of he's a he's, yeah. he was a filmmaker in like the early 1910s and his most notable film was birth of a nation and oh yeah 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 um super super racist uh and yet like his dying words were like apparently um 
I thought I was a hero. <laughs> uh, it's because a lot of his other movies had like, I don't know, and I, I haven't seen any of his other movies, so I don't know how I'm basing this off of like what others have said about his other films. Um, jobs for, I don't know. I was trailing off, but it just reminded me of that one quote. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how like uh, creators can really, I mean, it's it's the whole notion of the death of the author, how like the creator uh. is um, the creator at, at a certain point. And, you know, honestly, at, at the point where their creation gets launched into the world, the creator becomes um, somewhat divorced from uh, from or their intent becomes somewhat divorced from the message that that thing is then putting out into the world like the reception of that thing the impact of that thing is now a separate thing from the intent of the creator mm, mm. um but yeah um i think that's uh, not not that's to, that's a super important point yeah not to com immediately compare tolkien to um kkk but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I think, yeah. I think I think he yeah. would not appreciate that. No, no, not at all. That's not at all what I what I meant. But it was just a quote that yeah. kept rattling around in my head. Yeah, um, but yeah, that that's that's a pretty good. Uh, that was definitely a a good uh, a good well to plumb uh, in terms of um, the dream and like maybe Elion's racial identity and um, and like why he may feel maybe outcast um uh let's let's move on to connor uh to to cruel's dream mm -hmm. um i wanted to leave your dream actually pretty open-ended for interpretation but mm. like because there's really only one thing we absolutely know about cruel <laughs> <laughs> which is that he hates vampires right right <laughs> we don't know much because you kind of intentionally play him very open-ended which i love mm. um in our kind of collaborative canon of what shades are and who cruel is within that framework, we've established that he's kind of like this people pleasing ghost. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what, what do you think about the dream? Um, I thought it was, I thought it was very interesting. I, the first, um, when you mentioned like a, a sense of dread and like this feeling of something evil, like that I can, the first thing that leapt to mind was when, right before we fought the Signet, um, mm -hmm. the one thing I was thinking was like, or no, as we were fighting the Signet, but before I think she revealed to us that she was a vampire, I was just like, oh, I like, it's either something about the way that Rune is <laughs> like <laughs> describing this is making it seem like, and and I don't. It, it it became a very strange moment as as Connor behind Cruel, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, who then like um, I, I started to hate vampires <laughs> like on a very oh. visceral level that. <laughs> Like, I, I didn't feel... I, th I think I've mentioned in, like, other character analyses that, like, when I, I am very goofy, I feel very much like, oh, this is, this is Connor Brain operating. Yeah. 
Um, and when a serious moment happens, like when, uh, you know, I'm talking to, I'm like confronting a vampire or, um, I don't think we, there haven't been many <laughs> serious moments, but like there are moments where I think more like cruel brain sort of takes over. And yeah, this kind of like enigmatic, like I contain multitudes character is really fascinating to me because I think it has a lot to do with how you dance with the character, Connor. Like you were describing in the previous analysis episode, how you sometimes just disguise yourself in the role of cruel, like you're kind of putting on your cruel suit. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you do feel like the lines between the two subjectivities get more blurred. And I think it's kind of funny because out of all the characters in the campaign, I think Cruel has the most purpose, which is destroy all vampires. Mm, yeah, he, he he sort of has like, he's kind of the, if I can use a very nerdy, like, he's kind of the Drax of the group. Yeah. He's like, yeah, has he's the ex- Drax of the group. Yeah, he's the like comic character, but he has a very serious, like, I'm, I need to murder. I need to murder this one. It, it, yeah like it's it's a very interesting juxtaposition because he also has like the least defined personality <laughs> yeah like yeah he's like a garbage dog or like in our most recent <laughs> headcanon he's the sentient piece of corrugated stormproofing that can wield a rapier <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> uh it, it's it's very and i i feel that as i sort of play him it's just like i don't know what I because as I was creating like before we had even started and I was creating the character I was just like I don't know if like oh this is the this is the character that I want to go with I want to go with like some I want to <laughs> I want to be a weird uh, trash man who like <laughs> only cares about eating trash but the fact that it, it's interesting that like kill all vampires isn't so much um like a conscious desire but like this right. in almost ingrained into his dna which i guess it yeah. would be from like the the history of like the shades versus the vampires that like this is a very it's 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 almost like a um biological preparedness like in the way that humans fear yeah. like heights or spiders uh, I would I would compare it more to generational trauma actually. Oh, like okay. I would compare I would compare the fight between vampires and shades to be like like shades consider themselves put into this position of like this lonely horrible existence because vampires exist mm. at all. Um because because in the like the mythology of this world like the first vampire was also the one who created shades at all. And mm. like spontaneously shades just started popping up after vampires started being made. Right. And, um, and when the shades were like, this is horrible. Like everyone treats me like shit. Like what? And I can't do anything about it. Like what, am, what am I supposed, what am I supposed to do? All, all I have are these like instructions with backwards r's that say kill all vampires <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> sure. by the way absolutely written in like crayon and like yeah yeah it, it, so yeah that, and uh 
so like i would i would consider it to be and especially because like the shades barely ever know any other shades besides maybe a parental figure who dies shortly after the shade is born Mm. right um that is like so much loss and trauma around like abandonment Mm. and feeling like um the only person who ever truly knew what it was like to be you Mm. is you only have them for so long and then they're gone forever and you have to carry on this like very painful tradition Mm. um and it's like so I, I would I would, that's that's kind of how I I mm. canonized um, shades more uh, than like a, than an instinct like a biological instinct. Right, right. That's no. That actually that makes actually a lot more sense. Um, and also, and I don't know how much sense this will make, but the when we learned that the signet was a vampire. Um, and I was in a sort of cruel brain. This is this feels like such a weird, like Brechtian, <laughs> like <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, dichotomy. But I, the the sensation that sort of like washed over me, felt very similar to how, like, experiencing like a traumatic event and then seeing something that reminds you of it. And it just right. sort of like, it, it almost feels like you're getting hit in the face, like that just sort of like resonating throughout your whole body kind of feeling. And wow. I don't, I honest to God, that's how I felt. And I don't know where that came from, especially because I was operating on a different sort of wavelength to the uh, shade vampire relationship yeah then you wow, are that's that's really cool on it like wow <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm i'm very happy to hear that in in like the in the like pleased that my creation had impact oh way, yeah but hoping that also that you were not like hoping that you were not like put in an uncomfortable position way as well oh no 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 not at all i wasn't it it wasn't like a like a triggering moment for me it was more just like how would cruel like I, i did i did sort of draw on like how my brain sort of works with uh-huh. like um being reminded of traumatic things right. and how then sort of translating that into cruel um which is less filtered and more just like straight and like oh well i guess when when i go through that my thought process is very chaotic and very like firing on all cylinders and i feel like that's how cruel would be like just sort of everything is like heightened every sense is heightened but it was a very like it it was almost like that was happening behind a curtain like there was a curtain separating cruel and i um but i was sort of like ventriloquisting uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's cool that's that's a really interesting like 
that whole performance of um, the performance of what what like trauma does like through a character to an actor that's mm. a that's a really interesting like resonance that um uh that i have not explored very much in literature like i i i should probably because <sighs> i'm sure that i'm sure that so many people have looked into it um mm. uh like it's gotta be it's gotta be like it just has to be talked about because it's so common i i hear about it all the time but um but yeah, that that's that's a really like that's a really powerful experience. And I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you had that experience in 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 the way that like I'm like I'm glad that that the characters are having such impact. Mm-hmm. Um and that's 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 super cool. Um yeah. Wow. All right. Well, thank you so much. I I wanna get to Lindsay's dream too. Um Yay. <laughs> Uh, so Irsu is the only person in the party who has actually had contact with the eagle tree so far. Um, and I feel like they're trying, they're actually kind of starting to form a relationship with it. Uh, or at least that's why I wrote this dream for your character and not for either of the others. So did you notice anything about the dream itself? Yeah, I mean, I think the dream hit me in a spot that's like, Irsu misses Tosk so much. Oh. Um, so that was a big part of it. Uh, I thought the pendant of the mad worker was not, not only, not only resonated with me in my, in my personal life, but also resonated with, um, I think the trajectory of Irsu's character so far, Mm -hmm. just as far as, um, you know, raging against that which one cannot see raging uh, encased in amber um, perfectly transparent and perfectly able to interact with the outside world but just uh, calcified in mad workerness yeah preserved preserved (laughs) and protected but also like like protected but also like like never really being able to touch anything anymore or be touched. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like I'm, I'm having this shitty, shitty time at my startup and I'm like, what if I just quit? It's like, well, no, because now I have constructed a lifestyle around my income and, and, and need to pay bills. I, I have encased myself in Amber. Yeah. Um, and I, now it is me. Who's the mad worker yeah (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez yeah um Um, wow yeah that's that's a big i mean i was thinking uh very much about like this tension uh with the with the ant in Le Guin's story um because actually in the story uh uh I'll spoil it because it's a three it's a three paragraph manuscript. Um, <laughs> in the story, the ant is beheaded by a soldier ant um, on its way out of the hive because it's behaving irregularly mm-hmm. and it's a worker ant. She's a worker ant, and um, the soldier ant uh, 
is instructed to um, attack any ants who are deemed to be enemies. And if an ant is behaving irregularly, even if it's a member of the hive, it's an enemy. Um, so it leaves like this note. Um, the worker ant leaves this note on these acacia seeds lined up in the hive. And then the, the soldier ant beheads the, the worker and leaves the acacia seeds because he can't read. Um, and the acacia seeds are like degerminated, so they, they don't have any food in them. Um, mm. And uh, and so it's like this worker lost her life for the concept of aloneness. She lost her life for like this this idea of like detaching from from the assemblage in a way. Mm, yeah, like, uh, which I feel like goes back to something we were talking about a couple weeks ago of like escapism as thinly veiled suicidality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, no, I don't want to die. I just want to not exist. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm, mm, mm. You know, I just want to, to go. Yeah. Like, uh, hun, you just, yeah. I want Think to that through a little bit. On alive, I don't yeah. want to die. <laughs> it's like, bitch, me too. Like we're all there. But let's be real about what this is. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the mad worker, like the thing about the mad worker, is that she's not so mad. It's just that in Le Guin's story, none of them had words for what that was. Like none of like. Um, that's the and reason what, what why it's such the... a cool story. Okay. Uh, I'll put it in the chat, actually. It's the author of the Acacia what, Seeds. But what was the, um, the classical if that was inscribed on? That's actually, well, out of world. That's like oh, a, yeah, that, that's like yeah, a it's a, it's a, yeah. uh, I recognized it. Uh, out of world. It's kind of funny because the, out of world, it's both um, in Ithkawil, it is a uh, it is oblique. Um, it just means unmarked or um, or content. Um, Un I feel like unmarked and content are very different. Yeah, words like like uh, it just means the case of this. The case of this object is unmarked. The case of this, mm, okay. uh, the case of this word is unmarked entirely. It's it, it's the standard case. Yeah. Um. And uh. And on its own, it doesn't communicate anything. Actually, which is what I thought was kind of fun about that. Um. Because well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. That feels analogous, like, oh, on our own, eh, you know, right. severed from the assemblage, what do we communicate if it... Yeah. <laughs> you can't signify. You can't signify if you, can't, you, can't if you don't signify. have anything to signify to. Oh, I'm reading, um, I'm reading Females by Andrea Long Chu right now. Okay. Which is amazing, by the way. Highly recommend. Um, 
And she's this whole section about how, and this is not like a new take, but I'm, I'm glad to be reminded of it that, uh, you know, and I think this comes from McKinnon maybe, but like, uh, like sex does, uh, gender does not precede sexuality. Sexuality precedes and produces gender. Hmm. Like, hmm. The performance of gender is in anticipation of a sexual orientation uh, that will act upon a gender. Huh. So in a in a world with no sexual orientation, like gender would be irrelevant. That's actually is the argument that is the argument that's being made. Um, however, I mean, you can, you can, you can agree with that. I mean, one can agree with that or not. I think there is more to gender than yeah. like pure sexual display, but I think it, there, that there, that like, I would, I would, I think Andrea Long Chu takes it a step further and says like, maybe it's not all sexual display, but it's all, um, like in fulfillment of an anticipated role. Hmm. Hmm. I think if um, I thought through that more, I could probably buy that, like, that idea that, like, it's anticipation, like, you're, it's kind of a, it's kind of Foucauldian almost, like, you're, you're, you're in this panopticon yeah. of, like, um, of, like, you're enforcing something on yourself of, you're enforcing, you're enforcing, like, a role on yourself in anticipation of someone else enforcing, like, a, a gaze on you. Yeah. It was something like you don't own the rights to your gender, like even as something as simple as a pro as like even a transition as simple as like changing your pronouns is not something that you are like all gender transition is in is it in anticipation of how you're being received. If gender were not so you could just think it, think it in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> do oh boy do i know this <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah but it's uh um it's it's both it's both uh it's both frustrating and liberating to my mind that mm -hmm. like we have to we have to communicate some form of like our own little our own little protests um, in order to be received in any way, be that like with, be that with a, um, with acceptance or with um, rejection. And the first stage is to communicate and to signify in, in the first place or to anticipate, I guess the signification. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's <clears throat> that is a that is a cool point. Uh, and like, if you're encased in amber, then you can't do that unless you're telepathic, like the ant is. <laughs> Dang it! And then you're like, ah! <laughs> I like <laughs> Mad Worker is a double entendre. Yeah. I've messed up. My... She's crazy and she's angry. She's angry. She's an angry Ursula. Um, <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Ant angry, <laughs> ant angry. She's she's a wine ant. Bite. 
yeah. Uh, what was it that I was reading recently? Um, oh, well, when you were talking about like how like um, sexual like desire and sexual like um, uh, uh, attraction precedes gender. Um, I was thinking about another Ursula K. Le Guin um, novel, uh, The Left Hand of Darkness, um, where she just says, like, well, if what if everyone were asexual except for like a short, predictable period where they went through like essentially like a very a very short, quick, like like a cat goes through heat. Hmm. Like pond far. Right. And then what if everyone were also intersex? Hmm. Where um, they were like, where they had no, they had no sexual dimorphism. Hmm. Um, except for during that period where they, um, they became sexually dimorphic during that period and had to find it's uh, I think that like mating period is called Kemmer in the book. Um, and they have to find a Kemmering mate um, during that period where they're sexually aroused and um, they be their uh, their their reproductive anatomy changes. Um, and she theorizes a lot of changes happen to a society in which that happens, um, like a like a, a planet on which that happens. Like she says that like. Um, their languages are um, completely uninflected for gender, obviously, but also they don't have words for things like large-scale conflicts, like wars. And, like, she has mm. these pretty wild ideas about... This was written in 1969, I think. Um, she has these pretty wild ideas about, like, what a lack of sex and gender um, or a pretty substantial change to what sex and gender mean Um would what that would do to a global society um and uh it's a really interesting read i i really like it um it's not it's not <laughs> it's not a manifesto of how gender politics should be done on earth but i don't think it was meant to be so it's okay <laughs> <laughs> right you're saying we shouldn't all go through the the sex equivalent of the purge <laughs> <laughs> the sex purge on yeah far. the sex on purge far. sex and, purge sex and, purge and, and <laughs> grow sex characteristics like insects <laughs> i do i that's kind of relatable to me. well honestly i'm going to be honest for a second in my i like Whenever I go through a phase where I'm active on the apps, I just I start performing gender weird. I start I develop like secondary sex characteristics in in, in anticipation of like what is gonna pull on this app. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. like what is what is getting dressed to go clubbing? It's it's that. Yeah. Interesting. It's I'm going to have a night of heightened sexual of height heightened sexual engagement hmm. and as such i need to amend 
my gender performance accordingly. Yeah, I don't think I figured out how to do that. So I don't think I've been able to do that yet. I haven't really really experienced (laughs) that, to be honest. This summer. hmm. (laughs) This summer when I'm vaccinated. (laughs) Hot Girl Summer 2, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Oh, that's so good. Hey. Thanks for joining us for 6.5 of Armchair Analysis. I've been Rune DeVino Collins, and we've been your Anthro Gang today. Stay tuned next week for some more gameplay. Thanks for listening.